You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This weekend was without Florida State football, but fear not, Knowles fans. The next five weekends, four Saturdays and a Friday ahead, will feature some really big games. Welcome into Sunday Smash, presented by ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. He's Ira Schofel, the managing editor of Warchant.com. My name is Tom Lang. Ira, I haven't seen you in a minute. How you doing? I'm good, man. I like you. I think you're rocking the On3 uh, hoodie. Oh, yeah, that's right. Nice. There we go. There we go. I recognize those drawstrings anywhere. <laughs> I'm good, man. It's, uh, it was a good weekend. We went, I took Kim and I went over to St. Mark's, checked out the butterflies yesterday. That was a good time. All it was right. a great week, great weekend for uh, no football. It would have been a great weekend for football, but it was also a great weekend for, for yeah. no football. I took in a lot of football on a weekend with no Knowles football. Uh, as uh, I mean, we're, we're fans of the sport, Ira. This is not, you don't have to drag us kicking and screaming to cover uh, the sport that we love here in uh, college football. A lot of weird stuff happened yesterday. The 1230 window on maybe an RSN near you was good uh, viewing <laughs> as uh, the Duke-Miami rivalry. It always pays off, Ira. That is one hell of a rivalry. Uh, two coastal teams just going at it every year. Uh, Duke brings it when they play Miami. You, I mean, you got to throw the records out when the Blue Devils <laughs> the play. And uh, Duke is piling on in such a way in the second half that whether whoever was playing quarterback, it could have been Ken Dorsey. Uh, things were things are kind of falling apart early on in the Cristobal era as he's trying to figure out who's on his side and who isn't. That was fun viewing. And then before you blink, if you tuned in about 20 minutes late to that night window uh, down in Columbia, South Carolina, it was 17 to nothing. Yeah. And that was very interesting, too, for another coach that's near and dear to Florida State's heart. So, <laughs> you know, the Gators were off because they're playing Georgia next week and the uh, world's largest uh, largest cocktail party. I know it's not allowed anymore to say that. But uh, it was good viewing yesterday, Ira. That 3.30 window was a little rough, but the beginning and the end of the day were good. Yeah, it was a quality weekend for schadenfreude. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go ahead and assume the Gators gave up two or three touchdowns anyway to the bye because yeah. that's how their defense has been. But, yeah, man. Miami and Duke, I, I didn't, like I said, I was out during the afternoon, so I missed a good chunk of that game. But I went back and watched somebody post on our uh, on the Tribal Council. There's a YouTube video out there of the eight turnovers, all eight turnovers in one video. It's like a five-minute video of Miami just falling apart. The, and those Jake Garcia interceptions, it, what's interesting about that is uh, people may not remember, but Tyler Van Dyke probably wouldn't have played last year if Jake Garcia hadn't got hurt. Mm-hmm. Garcia was ahead of him on the depth chart. 
So then when Van Dyke got hurt, I was thinking, oh, no. And I think Garcia may have let him do a score. And I was like, oh, this might work out well for them. And then he turns it over five times. And yeah. in magnificent, like the last couple of picks, the last pick, I think it's insane. I mean, you would, you would think there would be an investigation to shaving points. He literally throws it right to the dude. And uh, it was uh, that, yeah, the Hurricanes are struggling. I watched, I watched Mario's press. Co- I watched a lot of press conferences as I like to do, Tom. I watched Mario's press conference. I watched Jimbo's press conference, which was quality. I watched yeah. Dino Babers' press conference was really short for a guy who took Clemson to the wire. Um, but uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of losing press conferences yesterday. It kind of blew it. And that's, you know, Dabo uh, had said the week prior after beating us here in Tallahassee uh, that, you know, it's really embarrassing that people just, they point to DJ and, and he's the starter for this club. And, you know, it's just, a, they always want him to not be a part of this group and, and not be out there on the field. And it's, it's embarrassing, honestly. Oh yeah. So it, you lasted two halves and two or two quarters and two drives before you pulled the same guy that you're saying it's embarrassing that there's even a discussion about who's the starting quarterback. Interesting scenario there, but Clemson. Where, where, where was that DJ seven days earlier, Tom? And because I, that I, was that was the whole reason I thought Florida State had a chance to win that game, a decent chance to win that game at home, was because I thought we might get that DJ. Instead, he can't make a mistake in Doe Campbell Stadium, but let him go back home against Syracuse, and he's just putting the ball on the floor left and right. Yeah, that was a really strange game, too, the way they called it. Because even before DJ was making mistakes, it was run, 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 and then if you're in trouble, you throw. Not putting him in the best position, but the fumble going in for a score is a 14-point swing, and that's why that game was the way it was, and, and Syracuse was competitive for as long as they were. That's a, It was a bit of an eye-opener, though, Ira. It was smoke and mirrors with the final score um, a little bit. I think you know Clemson, between the 20s, did better, but Syracuse took advantage of situations. Four turnovers, for crying out loud. But, you know, as you're looking at this five-game stretch, Syracuse is going to make you earn it, at least. Uh, they're they're going to be straight ahead about everything that they do. So that, I circled that, and I said, all right, you can't go up there and, and you know, miss layups in the red zone, or else you're going to be in a, in a dogfight. Uh, but the game that's coming up this weekend, and I see a lot of these comments. They're hilarious, guys. Uh, I, love, I, be- I love Jeremy's line about Miami basketball. That was pretty funny. Miami's basketball had less turnovers against Duke the last time they played. I think it was the same amount of turnovers that false starts uh, A&M had last night. I think A&M had eight false starts. That's a well-coached bunch. Uh, A lot of good well-coached teams around the country right now. That's why I got got a couple texts last night from friends asking if Rick Trickett was coaching the OL line again for uh, for Jimbo at Texas A&M. And, yeah, yeah, it was was a a, – I was, you know, for a game, for a weekend where Florida State didn't play, that was a pretty fun Saturday for Florida State fans. It was, and the weather was gorgeous up here, I'm sure, in most of the country, wherever you all are. And thanks for joining us here on War Chant TV as we rev up the machine again for another week of FSU football. Make sure to hit the like button, subscribe to War Chant TV. It's absolutely free. Uh, the weather was just delightful throughout the Southeast this weekend. So I hope everybody out there, you got a chance to, to watch on your back decks or an outdoor patio or whatever it was, uh, because it's going to be a little bit warmer as we approach Georgia Tech's kickoff this week. That is a noon kick for Florida State and the Yellow Jackets. And I believe the opening line, Ira, was around 18 to 20 points, it's, depending upon where you could get it. Last I saw, it was 20.5. So, uh-huh. uh, yeah. The no, and we had talked about it last week on headlines. We wondered if it would be maybe double digits. I didn't expect it to be 20.5. It is a weird game, though, and I'm not trying to build it up in anything it's not. But, you know, that team with Jeff Sims, they're like, you have to pay attention to beat them. Without Jeff Sims, which is what happened in that game against Virginia, he get, goes out in the, late in the first quarter 
and the backup goes in and man, I don't, I mean that, that they don't look like a college. They don't look like an FBS football team no, with the other I, kid playing quarterback. I watched exactly three plays of that Thursday night. Game. <laughs> I couldn't do it. You know, between the NFL game that night and that college game. Nope. I was watching baseball and I love football, but I mean, dear God, the thing about Georgia tech too, and we'll break it down as the week goes along. They're top five worst in the country in pressure rate allowed. Their offensive line, just plain, plainly speaking, doesn't block it up. And they give up a ton of yards on the ground. So that's what I'm looking forward to this five-game stretch. Is, and we talked about this on Warchant.com. I already put together the roundtable questions. You can find that on Warchant.com. I was part of the offensive side of it. Now that you've been as physical as you were against that Clemson front, it's time to not mess around moving forward, Ira. That's got to be the identity. Jordan Travis is electric both as a runner and now as a passer. That's what the first half of the season is proven uh, to Florida State fans and, and to Jordan himself and the offense. This has got to be about the run now for the next five games. you got to ram it down people's throats and be physical, right? Yeah, and especially, I mean, I think when you look at Georgia Tech and Syracuse, Syracuse, I definitely think so. Syracuse, like you said, they're, they're a solid football team, but they're – and we'll, I don't know if they'll be any different when Florida State plays them, but they're a little undersized uh, on the defensive front right now. Um, they maybe get some guys back, but, you again, you would – after yeah. we saw what we saw, you would think Florida State would be able to run the ball really effectively. Um, one more thing, man, but I know you want to talk football and you want to talk Florida State. We got to make fun of one more thing about that Thursday game. Did you see the replay of the last play at least? The Georgia Tech kid? Oh, yeah, they had a bounce. They lived to play the next play. <laughs> My guy starts – first of all, he had sacked himself tw- – the, the Georgia Tech's backup quarterback, if you didn't watch it, he sacked himself twice. Now, he got sacked legit. He got sacked seven or eight times legitimately four or five of them, two times he just fell down. Like he just started – he panicked. He saw the rush pretty quickly. He hadn't played in a football game, I guess, since he was at Akron. And uh, Virginia's defensive front was probably better than some of the MAC defensive fronts he saw. And, man, he just would – he literally kind of just tried to elude pressure and just crumbled two different times. The last play, he starts rolling to his left. And I'm thinking to myself, it's it's the last play of the game. you got to go 70 yards. He's rolling to his left, and all I can think of, where's he going to throw this ball? Like, there's no way he could throw it more than, like, 20 or 30 yards rolling to his left anyway. Yeah. And he just runs out of bounds. <laughs> and then his his interview in the post-game press conference, he said, yeah, I know that was a bad look. Um, I probably shouldn't have just run out of bounds. <laughs> so I should have given us a chance. It's not a bad look, man. Your team's only prayer was you just – throwing the ball up for hope something would happen. You just cannot run out of bounds. It was yeah. unbelievable. So that really started to me that started really, which was just a wonderful weekend of making fun of other fo- college football teams. He should have just kept the trot going, Ira, taking his helmet <laughs> off, put on a baseball cap as he's trotting into the tunnel with one finger to the sky, pointing to the sky as he trotted on in and he keeps going. He finds a bus. <laughs> Going back, going back to Akron. He's actually originally from out like near near Atlanta, so he's a, like a local kid. Comes back home from Akron, and oh wow! It's I, I'll be honest though. This is one of the irrational things in in all of sports for me. Is Florida State has been way better than Georgia Tech a lot over the last fifteen years, Ira. And for some reason, it's a game, or for worse reasons, it could be a loss. What a time to be alive! Remember that call in twenty fifteen. Yeah. With the uh, the blocked field goal, which, uh, it was also there was a false start or a delay a game before they tried the kick. I mean, what a disaster that was! So Matt Millar, uh, our friend and colleague, used to be in the media here, felt that way about Florida State baseball and Jacksonville. Anytime the Noles play Jacksonville, he's a defeatist. 
I get more nervous than I should for Georgia Tech because I was there for Marcus Sims. And I was there the night that they didn't punt but one time and they lost the football game with the weather delay. And then 2015, Paul Johnson's crew didn't beat another ACC team that year, Ira. And Florida State's only other loss was to Clemson. That I was mean, a, that's, that snapped the win streak, didn't it? It snapped yeah. the 29-game or whatever win streak. Yeah, it sure did. Um, and uh, and Everett Golson misses an obvious zone read where he could trot into the end zone. I mean, oh, what a night that was. So when, when we hit triple zeros this week on Zaxby's War Chant game day next Saturday – and as long as Florida State's ahead on the scoreboard, I'm going to be more happy. People are going to say, Tom, why are you so enthusiastic about this? Georgia Tech's just got weird juju about them, Ira, so I'll, I'll be a little spooked this week. Yeah, it's, it's again, like you give them a little credit. They showed some life the last couple of weeks with an interim head coach. Um, and they have, you know, they have a win over Pitt, although that win over Pitt does not look as good quite right at this point because Pitt has been awful this year. It's yep. really weird. Corey and I were texting about when Aslan and I were texting about it last night how Pitt, I mean, we knew Kenny Pickett was a nice player and Addison was a really nice player, but man, they have just gone off of a cliff um, this season. So that winning, that lost Georgia Tech doesn't look quite as bad. If Jeff Sims plays, man, they've got a chance. He can run around and make some plays. And, and But you would think Florida State, like you said, the confidence they should have in that running game uh, should be something they really can lean on uh, and lean into uh, in these next couple of games, especially coming off of a bye week. Jeremy, we uh, highlighted your comment about Miami and, and Duke and basketball and the turnover count relative uh, from one sport to the next, but also the contributions of the show. Thank you very much. He's pushing for the documentary series, the docu-series of Ira and Corey. you got to be in the same car if, if you're going to have this docu-series. It couldn't be a Zoom. I don't think that's the schedule for travel. Do I have that right for the Miami game? That's the it's problem, man. Uh, yeah, in the old days, we used to have a lot of, uh, a lot of fun stories, usually involving me and Corey cursing each other out. Yeah. Um, on our road trips, but we don't travel as much together anymore. And I'm sure I'm, there's a good chance. I'm sure Corey will bring Stephanie with him down there and maybe I'll be driving with the crew. So we'll see um, if we could, we will try to document it because uh, yeah, Corey and I in the same car for more than about 20, 25 minutes, heck more than five minutes. There's a good chance we're going to end up screaming at each other. So uh, if we, if we do, we should, we should make an effort to do it at some point. I was Thank, there. Thanks Jeremy. Uh, I was there for the Sean Powell game in Gainesville uh, years ago, and we were in the same car. Okay. And that was the infamous rest stop gate. In, uh, I think that was 2011, I want to say it was. Uh, but that was uh, one of the all-time knockdown dragouts. So, Jeremy, if we can make it happen, we will. I did confirm something else, folks, uh, for those of you that tuned in this week on WarChant TV and on the radio in Tallahassee. Uh, the corner pocket has agreed, Ira, that if Florida State does go 5-0 and in their final five games here, that they will facilitate dual keg stands with you standing in the middle with a beer funnel <laughs> Sweet. on rivalry Saturday, the day after FSU in Florida, before the noon kicks on the outdoor deck at the CP, they will be prepared for us if Florida State goes 5-0. and so, so I hope you meant it when, when Jeff asked you, would oh, you come out? Yeah, okay. Because it's I'm all on. for it. I'm all for it. I'm just not doing a keg stand. But yeah, so for people that didn't listen to the JCS this week, it'll be Jeff doing a keg stand on one side, Tom yep. doing a keg stand on the other. And I'll be funneling beers in the middle. If any of the, the other War Chant staff were to come in and do a funnel, in the, we're not doing any shotguns. We're just doing funneling beers in the middle of the keg stands. Yeah. Come on down. But So they have to win all five to do that? They got to win all five. And Eric Angel gets to play a part in that too because he suggested it. So Pillar, Eric, uh, we'll, we won't forget you get to do a keg stand separately. We're going to do the War Chant staff, and that'll be uh, the headliner, pardon the pun there. But that's what this, this final stretch is all about to get a little bit more serious for a moment, Ira, is – I see a lot of people in the comments, and, and Director Ben is putting that up. 
Uh, but four and one, five and zero. Oh, that seems to be the expectations. I don't think that's our creation uh, or setting expectations from the media side of things. This is a doable portion of the schedule, and you're getting healthier. This is time to make it count. You're close enough to prime time. You weren't ready for prime time, but you're close enough that I would think the resume says and suggests that Florida State should win the vast majority of these games and then prove it with an eight and four or a nine and three finish to the regular season. Is that where your head is still at now that you had a few days and you've watched some college, uh, college football outside of Tallahassee? You know, I think the the reality is, um, you know, you're playing two of your rivals, so it's hard to chalk up, you know, oh, those are definitely going to be wins. And really, according to the FPI numbers from ESPN, where they, they do their projections based on uh, their metrics, their football, what is it called? Football power, power index? index. Their, yeah, their power index. Um, they have Florida State is the likely favorite in four of the five games. The only one they don't have them is actually at Syracuse. Uh, but they have them as a favorite at Miami and against home against Florida at home. But we know those are rivalry games. So, like, I, I don't like to make a declarative statement that if you lost one of these rivalry games and you lost at Syracuse to a team you may be an underdog against, that that's a disaster. The problem is it would be such a tough way to finish after you've lost these last three games because it would mean you finish seven and five. If you only win three of these last five, it means you finished seven and five and you yep. finished three and five in the last eight games after four no starts. So that would be tough for people to stomach. It would, it would make people not feel very gratified, um, even if you end the year with a win against Florida. So, uh, yes, it would be huge if they can win at least four, maybe all five of these games, and they could do it. They certainly could do it. If they play like they did – I feel like for big stretches of this the first month of the season or for stretches of the Clemson game. If you yep. just take away those two minutes in the middle of that game, you know, yeah, I think they can win all five of these games. I just hate to say it like an ultimatum if they don't win four of them, that it's, you know, this huge problem because, you know, the the problem is that NC State game. You know, that's the game that, that really – created a situation where they have to win four out of these last five because they should have won that NC State game. But, um, but yeah, man, it would, it would certainly – it would do a lot for Mike Norvell if they could win four out of these last five. Yeah, I, I agree on all fronts. What's interesting is the sequencing, and we talked about this last week, is that you, you didn't intersperse your four wins across the seven games. You front-loaded them, and then there are three straight losses. So you basically got a month of not feeling so great about yourself and, and missing some opportunities. Talking to a lot of Knowles this week because, again, you know, it didn't have to be over by the stadium or on lockdown on a Saturday, Friday evening as well. Got to talk to a lot of Knowles fans. There are qualified rumblings. And by qualified, I mean they throw out, look, I think we're going to finish strong. But if we don't, that kind of conversation is coming, Ira. You know, and, and these games, they'll play out and the results will happen for a specific reason on a given game day. But if they go three and two down the stretch, there will be some discontent. They, they will be focusing on the NC State game more than we already kind of are looking back on it now. And people will be asking big questions, saying, man, is this is this the guy that's going to take us where we need to go? I think those things quiet down, though, at 4-1. and one. They certainly are are completely gone at a 5-0 and o finish, especially because you can win these two games against your rivals down the stretch. So for me, you know, I, I would think that in order of importance, it would be to win your two rivalry games. If you're going to slip up once, make it Syracuse and not make it one of the other ones because that might even be a bitter taste in, in fans' mouths. Uh, it's just it's frustrating when you look at the season as it's played out so far 
and the NC State game is just there for the taking and you don't finish the job. And that's going to color the conversation unless this is a really strong finish. But we get to see it finally this week. I'm already impatient about it. I want to see what this team does because they've got that toughness to Amira. It's not a pipe dream. It looks like it's more likely than not. Yeah, I mean, and if you're getting guys back healthy um, and we think, you know, there's a good chance Fabian Lovett will be back. Um, if not for Syracuse, there's a good chance that'll be the case. But if not, at least maybe the last four games, uh, excuse me, if not against Georgia Tech, then at least the last four games, um, you, you may get Robert Scott healthier. Jared Verse might be healthier. You might get Winston right back for one of these or, or a few of these last five games. So there's a lot of positives from a health standpoint. Jared Jackson missed the last game. So there's a lot of guys um, you know, that might be feeling better. And you might have the team that we saw in LSU. And, you know, that LSU win obviously looks a whole lot better now the longer the season goes on. But, um, you know, I think that, you know, somebody made a comment in the chat that what about if you finish four and two of your last six, including a bowl game? So in that scenario, you finish three and two in these five, but you win your bowl game. If your last two games are a win over Florida and a win in a bowl game, Mm -hmm. and your two losses are at Miami and maybe a game – Somehow Van Dyke plays great. They play well, and you lose a close game. You don't play bad. You just come up short. And the other loss is at Syracuse. Is that something you can kind of salvage? I, I don't know. I, you know, I don't, I, that's probably of the scenarios where you go three and two in these last five. That's probably the the least because at least you end the season with a win against Florida. But yeah, man, if if hey headliners and elite headliners, it's Ira here, and it's time to talk Shopify. As you remember, a couple of years ago, we wanted to create and sell headlines merch for the best podcast listeners in the world. That's you. But we had no idea where to get started. Now we're selling Yay Sausage shirts, and it's so easy. All because we use Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're a startup working out of your man cave or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool you need to grow your business without all the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. You could be selling Don Julio socks from Shopify's in-person point of sale system or offering headliner shirts from Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform. Whatever you need, you're covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love most about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up today for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash warchant, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash warchant, all lowercase, and they'll help you grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Go to shopify.com slash warchant. You got to make up for that NC State game. So win four of these last five, or maybe win all five of them, and they can do it. Yeah, for sure. Play 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 clean football. Play hard, and yeah, you definitely can win. And just not fall apart in crucial situations, which was the problem these last few games. Yeah, it's almost like a credit report. You know, in the first four games of the season, <laughs> the credit is just going sky high. You're in the upper sevens, low eights, and I see a Z Chan one second, and then the next three games. The two don't really hurt you that are that are the outer edges, but that NC State one, now you're back around 690, 710. You know, you got some work to do. It's not bad credit, but you got some work to do. You got to build that thing back up. You can feel it among the fans. They're saying, I think we're good enough. I think we've shown we're good enough. 
Now do what good teams do or well-coached teams do, which is if you're better than somebody else, go take care of business. And they've proven that they can do that, Ira. The Boston College game is one piece of big-time evidence that they can clock in, be professional to a degree, take care of business, and clock out. That's what Saturday has to be about at noon is that kind of an effort, right? Yeah, oh yeah, 100%. It really does, especially because you have that trip to Miami one week later. And again, this is all kind of leading up to that Syracuse game. And I – you know, I was not a huge believer in Syracuse, and I'm still not necessarily. I think if if DJ hadn't played poorly, um, yeah. and, and especially down in the in the red zone, I think. Um, and I, I'm with you. I think some of the play calling was strange too. Um, it that to me, um, you know, you need to be able to give Syracuse your best effort. So if you cannot have to play four quarters this Saturday, if you can go down and take care of business against Miami, and at least still be in good shape physically you have a chance to go up there and win that game at Syracuse. If you're all beat up because you had to play two fourth quarter games, including one of them against your rival Miami, and then you have to go on the road uh, less than, you know, a week later to go up to Syracuse, you just don't give yourself a good, as good of a chance. Right. Um, you know. Yeah. The thing I'd say, this is, that's the legacy. And I'll get to Z channel one second, Ben, so you can wipe them back up. But that's the thing that, that kind of pisses me off about the way the LSU game finished is if you manage that game better down the stretch, Fabian Love, it's never yeah. in a position to be hurt. And, and I know nobody's trying to do that, but it's just that mattered. That mattered huge. I mean, this next that next stretch, especially the three back-to-back weeks against ranked opponents, you don't think Fabian makes a, a difference to at least win one of those games? That's where yeah. if you have a chance to shut the door and you, you take those guys out, you minimize risk for the other weeks ahead because you're not as deep as you want to be in a year or two. Speaking of playing late in games, how about my man Brian Kelly? They're up, you know, I don't know, 18 points, whatever it was late. Um, against Ole Miss, and he's still got Jaden Daniels in there running read options in the last few minutes. I mean, I guess maybe he just wants to make a statement, you know, to kind of make up for maybe the losses earlier this season, but that was really weird, man. That offense, without him, uh, the way he's playing right now, I think would take a huge hit. It was weird. It was weird, especially in a game like that where you're up, you've won the game, and you don't know, some dude from Ole Miss may decide, hey, I want to, you know, send a message to this guy, and uh, it didn't happen, but that just seemed kind of strange. It was a strange game, too, because Ole Miss couldn't be stopped on their first few possessions. 14-3, to they're going down the field. looks like it's going to be 21-3, and it's going to be a blowout going the other way. They get a stop, kick a field goal, force a field goal, LSU does, and then they go on a mammoth run between then and, and the way the game was over. That might be a shot towards Lane Kiffin, too. He's got a reputation that if you could take a chance to run it up a little bit and and you know continue to you know pound it, Lane Kiffin is atop that list of maybe top three or five coaches you do it against. And it's a top 10 win at home for LSU, too. I think Brian Kelly was trying to prove something to the boosters. Z-Chan, thank you so much. He says, evening, guys. How bad did the Gators get beat by the dogs on Saturday? And how many tackles for loss for Lovett on Saturday if he starts? The second question is interesting because I saw what you guys pointed out in the roundtable, Ira. But I think that um, it's, it's all about how many points can Florida score on Georgia because I don't think they're going to get many stops against the Bulldogs, Ira. Florida's defense, if if people haven't done this, go look at Florida State or Florida's defensive statistics. And like people could complain about, you know, they people could complain about Adam Fuller, they complain about parts of this defense that have not lived up to expectations. Florida's defense is the worst in the country, at least going into this weekend. Maybe somebody somebody surpassed them while they were on a bye week. But they're the worst in the country at third down defense. They literally just do not get off the field. Um, they're they're terrible. I mean, they are so bad defensively. So yeah, you look at those weapons Georgia has offensively. I mean, if Georgia just cares at all, 
And we've seen George, this Georgia team will, will put a whipping on people. Um, they don't sleepwalk usually when they have a chance. And so, yeah, that game could be really ugly. As far as Fabian Lovett goes, uh, yeah, I'll be curious to see if he does play. Um, how produ- Now, if the if the quarterback for Georgia, the backup quarterback plays for Georgia Tech, I mean, he might get 6-7 because um, that kid is not not uh, real uh, thrilled about a pass rush. But, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much you could expect from him in his first game out. Yeah, again, yeah, the production, it, it's not always about the stat book when you're playing the interior of the defensive line. Here's hoping because he's just so elusive. You know, you don't say that too often about guys that are in the middle, but he's just so quick. Uh, I'm hoping that he has a really productive final five games here because if he does, then he's moving on to the next level, and Fabian's been a really important force here. Another guy who's been in the transfer portal, and that's the other thing, too. I heard this week a lot of people speculating about what does Florida State need in the future. We might be able to talk about that in a little bit. But, Ira, I did pull up the stats on third down defense. There's only one group in the country that's worse than the Florida Gators. That would be Colorado. Opponents are converting 52.6% of the time on third down against Florida for the season. That's in 97 third down attempts. That's not what you want. No, no. It's (laughs) 130th out of 131 teams. In the country, the likes of Bowling Green and Charlotte, who just fired their coach, Northern Illinois, Georgia State, UConn, are all better than Florida St- than the Florida Gators at getting off the field. It's just unbelievable. That's terrible. Yeah, their defense is bad. Um, yeah, and then as far as you know, and that's the thing when you look at these. It's part of what when you look at these last five games. Yeah, you know that. I mean, man, this could, you could get right. You know, you could get right in a lot of these games. Georgia Tech has been terrible, especially if they don't have Jeff Sims. Uh, they're not great with him, but they're not – I mean, if you watch that game, the announcers made it sound like, you know, the Heisman Trophy winner went out when Jeff Sims went out. They had – I think they had zero points, maybe a touchdown, but they might have had zero points when he went out of the game. So it's not like they were lighting up with him. But um, Miami just seems like a dumpster fire right now. I mean, they're, they're – it's unbelievable how bad they're playing. Uh, they, I mean, the last interception Garcia had is a three-man rush. The guy who puts the pressure on – or it might have been the last forced fumble – there's two Miami guys are double teaming him and the guy just a Duke guy just runs right between them. And and they're they're, I mean, it's, so you have these next two opponents who could not look worse right now. Florida's defense is terrible. You get them at home, Louisiana is Louisiana. So yeah, man, there, you have every reason to believe you, you could win and maybe should win four out of these last five games. Yeah, and it's one of those deals where if if I'm a fan and I see some of the sentiment here and Ryan is usually an aggressive fan in the chat, we love him for it. But don't apologize for having those expectations. Like, this is put up or shut up time. Come on now. You put in a lot of work to be in this position. And this is the payoff. This is the reward. Because, the, you know, after watching what they did to Clemson, Ira, it wasn't, a, you know, smoke and mirrors to go and run down their throats. It wasn't double reverses and, and Jordan Travis making miracles happen completely. He did it a couple of times, but it's outside zone. It's not even counter. It's not even misdirection. It's just straight up football. And so if you can do that against that front, and I don't think Clemson's that great when it comes to the coaching. They've got a lot more talent than these scores would indicate. They're not getting the most out of their players there, but they're still a hell of a lot better than this front, this this offensive line on paper. If you're able to do that against Clemson, then there's no more excuses. You've got to be able to make that your identity for these next few games, and then you, you let the chips fall where they may, you know, on the road at Syracuse. That's going to be the big one. Uh, as long as they don't fumble the ball and give it away, they should be in a position to be a run-first team. And Ira, I got to tell you, if I had to choose between two types of offense to tune in for every week, the running game travels. It's physical. 
It creates, uh, I think it makes the defense tougher on the other sideline. It fires up everybody in a way that the passing game doesn't. If they can be about that, then this could be a really fun sequence, but they've also got to get better in situations and finishing drives. Here's hoping that that message was also received that in the red zone, if they want to run the football, they can run the football. I think that's probably the next test for them is that when they get in situations, third and two, red zone, third and goal from the three, can you run the ball when everybody in the world knows you can, knows that you are going to run the football? And can you convert in those situations? If Florida State can, then there's going to be a lot of smiles over the next month. I just I, I would like to see everybody, all parties involved, rewarded for all the hard work that they put in or the faith that the fans have had. If they can do that, this gets real fun in the month of November. I wanted to point out Gator Kirk's uh, question, how happy would Corey be if the projection of FSU and the tax layer Gator Bowl in Jacksonville comes true? I, uh, are, are people projecting Florida State and Texas A and M in that game? Aslan was joking about it. I'm not sure in our text. I can't. I wasn't sure if that's a legitimate projection or not. But hey, I don't know if Texas A and M is going to get to a bowl game. That, I mean, they, yes, they may not go to a bowl game, I and mean, they they're going to have to beat Auburn, or they're not going. They're going to get smoked by Ole Miss. I I think yeah. this week, even though it's at home. Um, but yeah, man, he's he's was three and four right now. Yeah, they're uh, they're. At- Three wins, and so they've got Ole Miss, they've got Florida. So that's a what a battle that is. Jimbo's offense against the Gator defense. That is a that is the movable object versus the stop. <laughs> I can't wait to see that on Saturday, November fifth. That's Miami weekend. Uh, then they travel to Auburn, which has a bit of a pulse now. Yeah, uh, versus three four weeks ago, they host UMass, so they got that. So win. That's a win. They got four right there. And then they play Brian Kelly's LSU Tigers in the rivalry that's- game in the final week. That's not going to go well for them. So I think they got to win. They got to beat, a, win a couple of those other games. Yeah. And uh, mm. and did you see? And so Florida's three and three and eleven in their last fourteen SEC games. Yeah. Man, this yeah. is the time, Mike Norvell. This is your time. Yep. That, that's my, my, Miami's down. Florida's down. This is your time. Take advantage that's, of this, right? Yes, that's the other thing. Where if I'm an FSU fan, I'm saying, look, the door is open. You know, and if you don't take advantage of this next month, and let's say that you split against your rivals, and one of them is Miami, right? And then you lose the, the Syracuse game, and so you go three and two down the stretch, and Miami gets a couple of yeses, or you know somebody else comes down and poaches a kid because he doesn't believe in the seven and five season, and signing day is again a dour proceeding for us at War Chant TV. Then you look back at these missed opportunities and say, is that going to spell doom for this coaching staff? I, I'm not, I don't want to be that guy who the chicken little guy, but this is a, a, a critical sequence in what this program is going to become under Coach Norvell. And you've got to see better situational play out of the offense. Um, you've got to see better secondary play across the board. I'm very interested this week in practice, Ira, to see who the reps go to because on that shot play for Clemson, um, Akeem then gets pulled off the field as far as as far as I can tell. Shaheem Brown at that moment. So who's at safety now? Is Azaria Thomas going to get some more run at corner? I know he's not perfect, but he's certainly athletically gifted. They've got some decisions to make. You know, they're getting healthier, but they've also got to make some choices about who they want to ride with because it was at this point last year, Ira, that the secondary really changed. They changed the course of the conversation about Adam Fuller, about the defense in general. By the end of the year, we liked that group, and we didn't like him very much in September. So if they're going to have that type of leap again in production, is it because there are different bodies on the field or because guys make the choice? That's one of the fun parts of this week of practice that we get to see. Yeah, you'd like to hope that there's some fierce competition this week of practice. I mean, it's kind of already happened. Uh, Jarian Jones has started the last few games 
um, opposite, um, you know, one of the corner, spa- corner spots. I think he's taken a spot across from Renardo Green. But then, you know, they're still rotating in Duke Cooper. They're still rotating in. And then, you know, Kevin Knowles has not played particularly well. That game, uh, his game against Clemson was rough. Um, and so, you know, you wonder, does Greedy Vance get some of those reps? And as you said, I mean, when we talked to Mike Norvell, I think on Wednesday, he was still kind of mad about the play where Akeem Dent gave up the long play um, yep. or in Adam Fuller, where it just made, made no sense. They had repped it. It was something they'd worked on a lot in practice. It made no sense for him to come up so out of control and give up the deep ball like that. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what, what they'll do. I mean, from what we've seen of this coaching staff, they are loyal to guys and they will let guys play back into favor. Um, but, you know, to your point, I mean, there there is – a huge opportunity in front of this football team. You can, you know, you can, last year when you felt when you started off the season, zero and four, there really weren't enough opportunities probably to just erase that. There's nothing they could have really done in the last seven or eight games to erase the Jacksonville state loss. Yep. If you go four and one or five and zero, oh, certainly five and zero, oh, nobody remembers that NC state loss again. That's gone. You swept your rivals. You played Clemson to six points. You finish the season with five straight wins. You finish the year nine and three, or excuse me, uh, yeah, nine and three. All of that's gone. You you have a chance here to erase all of the warts from early this season or from the middle of the season. Take advantage of it. I mean, they you know, and so when you think about like the fourth down calls, when you think about the red zone calls, when you think about some of those decisions, when to go for it, when to not go for it, man, they have to. These coaches have to get it right because. We've seen some examples where they didn't get it right, and they've added up to some losses. Yeah, I'd like to see a little less cute and a little less panic out of decision-making from the coaches. And then a little I, bit – go ahead. One thing I was going to say is because you pointed that in the, in the roundtable talking about the red zone, and I could see your frustration coming through. You, you, if you if you want to let a little more, little more out of that – because and I, and I do have a, like a little caveat, I think, in their defense, but, but go ahead. Yeah, I know. I wrote the same thing twice, uh, so I was wondering if you'd pick up on that <laughs> as uh, as the editor of the staff. I did edit um, a little bit, so you it, could have. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I just said it looks like we want to trick our way at times into scoring. You know, whether it's a double reverse to Pittman, or a cutesy little uh, quarterback sneak with a tight end, or a lot of these fade passes to somebody not named Johnny Wilson. Um, I was glad to see that the fullback dive was back in the repertoire because it worked at LSU. They try. I mean, Jordan Travis tried to ninja kick. Uh, DJ Lundy. I mean, what the hell is that? Uh, but they still scored. Lundy's got props, two props to DJ Lundy, man. That kid, he was not, he knew what the situation was and yeah. he was not going to go down. He was doing everything he could. To, they could have might've stopped him, but he wasn't going to just go down after Jordan's <laughs> leg whip. So maybe that is a sign that they're going to get a little less fancy. I didn't really care that much about the toss pitch play from LSU. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's actually kind of an aggressive play and a physical play. Uh, they just obviously botched it. But, I mean, you've got now what appears to be a more physical group that's proven it against a good front. Jordan Travis is a nightmare, traditionally speaking, if you roll him out. I mean, if I'm a defensive coordinator and it's fourth and goal from the two and Jordan Travis is rolling out right, I'm praying. I mean, my hat is in my mouth and I'm going, oh, God, please, you know, let this let this work out for us. And it just looks so damned difficult at times for this group. The flea flicker is fine, J.B. Noel. That's around midfield. You can have fun and be loose, 
But when you get down to winning time in the red zone, I mean, one of the plays of the year, Ira, was the back sh- – or not the back shoulder, but the back corner of the end zone fade to Johnny Wilson from Tate Rodemaker. That was on third and goal because they kind of messed around the first couple of plays with a couple of tricks. If they don't make that play, maybe they kick it. Maybe they don't make it. I mean, these kinds of things – down the stretch here, there are going to be at least one or two games where you've got to be really good in the red zone and not come away empty-handed. If Johnny Wilson is the call on a fade, he's got the wingspan of a, a soccer net, you know, out for FSU soccer. Hit it in that range. He will catch the ball most times. It's just these kinds of things add up, and we saw it in the NC State game in the worst way, but I heard you you said you have a caveat. So well, what is the I, I just – I do want to give them the – Rightly or wrongly, I mean, I think what it speaks to is not, I don't think it's a, let me show how creative I can be. I think it's more, I don't necessarily believe in this offensive line and I don't want to get, when when everybody in the stadium knows you're running it, Yeah. I don't want to get in a situation where we get stuffed and now now they know I'm throwing. Or that, you know, I think he's thinking, all right, I'm going to take my chances on first down because they may be thinking I'm going to run it. And but the problem is they haven't converted them. And so now you're, you're really, your ass is really in the jackpot, Tom, because <laughs> now what are you going to do? Now you're going to run it on second now? Well, great. But, you know, so that it becomes a much – if it works, great. But if it doesn't, it doesn't. But I, but I do think – I don't think it's the motivation is trying to be, you know, Doogie Howser quarterback or a play caller. I think it's more they don't necessarily believe that they can move a good defensive line in short quarters, which is understandable, especially against that Clemson defensive front. Um, But I get your point, man. Give them a chance. Give them a chance. Um, Because this other stuff isn't working either. The other thing I'd say, and Ben, you could put that back up from Carol, bring the Wildcat back with a a smiley face emoji or laughing emoji. Actually, I'm okay with the Wildcat, the way they run it. You know, they did it with Sean Corbin last year. Uh, It's in the playbook. I think they've ripped it a couple times in, in, in games this season. That's physical. That's going straight ahead. All that is is changing the numbers. So you've got a maximum a number of blockers on a straight ahead run. I don't like it at the 30 yard line, but I, you know, in, inside the five, that's pretty physical. And last year when they couldn't block it up, Corbin was so great at getting mm-hmm. small and moving the chains uh, when they were beaten up front. But that, that, that changes the numbers in your favor. So I actually wouldn't be too terribly disappointed if they ran that. Um, but we'll see. I mean, again, they're sending messages. Uh, the players are sending messages to the coaching staff with their play. Hopefully, when the next time they get in the red zone on Saturday against Georgia Tech, and then when the real tests come against Miami and Syracuse, that they live up to that. Uh, Eric, I see that, yeah, Treshawn Ward, hopefully he'll be back for the Miami game. They got really good news on him relative to what it could have been. He was taking a photo in, in surgery garb, and uh, that he doesn't need surgery, so that's great news. Uh, oh, Director Matthew is here. I, it, Director Matthew is living his best life, and this is a great, this is a great segue. Because the program is brought to you by ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. If you're enjoying something in the chat right now, go ahead and, and just raise a glass to us and tell us what you're enjoying. I've got some red wine, Ira, tonight. In honor of Duke's victory over Miami, I decided to open a bottle of wine. Nice. So I've got a little Chianti here, getting my Hannibal Lecter on. Are you uh, are you enjoying and partaking tonight, or are you keeping doing it light? Non-alcoholic tonight, buddy. Non-alcoholic tonight. That's fine. That's fine. Couple couple nights this week that got a little sideways. So uh, for me anyway, not not crazy, but for me. Um, yeah. So I decided Sunday night maybe I need to chill out a little bit. There you go. So well for ABC Fine Wine and Spirits enthusiasts out there, and you all are as you're heading towards uh, Doke for game day or your own particular abode. Uh, they've got curbside pickup across the state at ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. So all you got to do is put the uh, the order in online, park in the designated spot, pop open your trunk, and you're moving along. 
efficiency is the thing, baby. We want efficiency in the red zone. You want efficiency for your tailgates. Make sure to support ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. All right, little, uh, yeah, I see it. Bush Light, there you go. I don't think that's how you spell it, Andrew, but uh, yeah, he's, he's getting <laughs> Bush Light. Uh, good job, guys, and thank you for responding to that. Cheers to all of you. Um, ben, if you've got some questions, feel free to uh, put those up for the final 15 minutes or so here at Sunday Smash. I saw one earlier. I think it was from R. Wilmer. Forgive me if it's not. might have been from Briley. Uh, but Malik Feaster. It's just Malik Feaster, question mark. Tom, Ira, what you got? I, I just what would your answer be first? Cause you've been in more practices than me, sir. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, they picked him up in, in camp, um, is a, you know, they just wanted one more DB for depth and, uh, mother's day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue Nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones. Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast. Most items can ship overnight. Plus enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. He's, he's okay. Um, he's not, I don't think he's the answer at one of the cornerback spots. Um, you know, again, I think he's, he's played some special teams, but I don't think he's going to be the answer. I, you know, I think, um, you know, again, I think overall we feel pretty good about Renardo Green. Um, and really, you know, again, Jarian Jonas stepped up, has not been sensational, but he also hasn't gotten beat a lot either. Um, yeah. he's been okay. Um, but you know, I think if, if Azaria Thomas Azaria Thomas, the reason you brought him up is he, he has some star potential. Like he's a guy that can make some plays. And that's the one thing that's really been lacking from this defense. I think on the one hand, you'd say, I don't, I think this defense has been put in some tough situations on the flip side. They've only forced eight turnovers. Yeah. which is not good. They forced four fumbles and four interceptions. They haven't been, they haven't even been around a lot of the passes. Like they, they haven't even competed for against a lot of these passes. That's something you want to see. And that's why you look to say, okay, well maybe Azaria Thomas can do that because you're not seeing it from some of these other guys. Yeah. That's gotta be something in the preparation. And look, I, I'm not one to always bash the coaches because the players, it's amazing how smart coaches look when they have really good players. Right. But last year, they get credit for developing that defensive backfield, making some choices about who to play, where to play him. And you saw from game five to game 12, incredible improvement and development in that defensive backfield. And that's just a fact. And so that's kudos to Coach Woodson. It's kudos to Adam Fuller. But this year, on the flip side, they've regressed. I mean, it's fair to say it. They've regressed this year. They're not a group that you can count on. Omari Cooper was supposed to be your stalwart. He's your third or fourth best corner. I mean, that's that's the problem here. Ira, I mean. Riley's coming correct. <laughs> in, all, in all fairness, their their interception numbers couldn't be that great because they haven't got to play Miami yet. Well, here's hoping they do that because that's what they did last year against Miami in the first half. That made a huge difference in that game. Van Dyke looked like his head was spinning in a year that he largely played well. The crowd made a difference and the defense was imposing. They just haven't been imposing. They've had some good game plans and they they haven't been the reason Florida State has lost all these games. In fact, in that three-game losing stretch, I'd say – it's on the offense probably twice, Ira, and on the defense maybe one time. Uh, but this is this is a group that they proved they could make a difference last year, and they haven't made a difference this year. So what gives? And that's got to be a big-picture question at the end of the season no matter what happens here. I mean, unless they, they turn the corner. But if I was ranking the guys I trust most in that defensive backfield, it actually gets pretty tough pretty quick because Renardo Green – is a guy I trust for sure. I probably trust Jamie Robinson more than Renardo, but it's those two. 
And then after that, I, I, I don't know who the next guy is. Knowles hasn't been playing that well either. So if you had to rank it in guys that you – it's third and seven and you need to get off the field, who do you trust? After after Renardo and after Jamie, where do you go? Yeah, I mean, really, there's nobody you trust trust. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, you just don't – they just haven't played well. I mean, I, I think I, I mentioned it last week. Amarian Cooper, according to PFF, has been targeted 17 times this season and given up 15 completions, which is yep. just crazy. Um, and again, I don't live and die with the PFF grades, but they are a tool. And yep. man, Kevin Knowles, Amari Cooper, uh, Akeem Dent are are just get, it's a bloodbath when you look at their PFF grades. I mean, they are just really, really struggling. What did, what were you going to say about Matthew and his Phillies? Okay, so uh, they won, obviously, today. They're going to the World Series, and um, Bryce Harper hit a two-run home run. They were down one in the bottom of the eighth. So, effectively, that's a, that's almost like a walk-off home run, although the, the bullpen made it interesting. Uh, <laughs> when Mike Norvell was hired, did anyone ever think in the year of our Lord 2022 the Philadelphia Phillies would be in the World Series? Uh, thank you for hijacking the show for a couple of minutes, yes. Matthew. Uh, make sure to hydrate. We've got a show tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Right. It's 1 o'clock. Make sure you're there uh, with bells on. Uh, Tom Ortner asks Ira, "What's your favorite strand?" Oh man, no. Well, that's, that's, go back look. to go back to go back to uh, my my younger days, but no, nah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not answering that question. <laughs> question, Tom. Oh uh, no, Ira's appreciate, about that, appreciate he's about that roundup though. life. Yeah, Ira's about that roundup life now. He's not. He's not about strains <laughs> or anything. Thanks for the support, uh, Tom Ortner. Any other questions that we have here, Ben? Feel free to wipe them up, but. I, I guess if I was to say, Ira, what would be the reason Florida State goes 5-0 and or 4-1 and down the stretch? Would it be improved play from the secondary as the leading storyline, or would it be a continuation of what we've seen from the offensive line and the ground game coming to life and being something that Florida State can lean its hat on down the stretch? How would you predict it out? I mean, those are obviously key factors, but to me, really the thing I want to see – to make me feel good, especially going into next season. And, you know, and again, we don't know what Jordan Travis is going to do. Um, but if Jordan Travis comes back next season, you know, I would like to see him become a better quarterback in some of those key situations. And, that, and, that, and that's not all on him. It's on Mike Norvell and it's on Tony Tokars to help him become a better quarterback in those, in those situations. And I just think, you know, so to me, um, in at least a couple of these games, there's going to be these moments where you have to make a decision. You have to 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 get what you need to get, whether it's fourth and short, and you just got to get the first down, or it's you know second and goal, and you need to decide whether or not to to live for another play. Just those decisions, because to me, that's been um, the one of the frustrating things about these losses has been they've had opportunities and they just haven't made great decisions in those moments. Now, I think Jordan's got – I mean, if you think about how much better Jordan has gotten from a year ago to where he is now, it's unbelievable. Now, if he takes that step, I mean, you you literally could have one of the best – maybe the best quarterback or one of the few, very few best quarterbacks in the country. Um, so that's why I want to see – but, yeah, you're right, man. If you run the ball with with authority, if, if the secondary plays better, uh, those will help. But that's what I want to see because I, I believe it's in Jordan. I know he can do that. It just hasn't. I think they've been focusing on so many big picture issues. They haven't gotten down to those fine details. But if they can get those fine details, though, that that to me is what makes me believe they could win all those five games. Garrett S. asks, what do we need to see in practice this week? Now, this is interesting because I don't know that we've ever really talked about 
how we assess practice or, or if we're looking for something specific. Because uh, some of it's cloak and dagger that we can't really discuss when they install things for opponents like trick plays. We saw the flea flicker before it actually happened uh, before everybody's eyes in New Orleans. Uh, but what is it that you would want to see, Ira, down the stretch here and certainly for this weekend's game against Georgia Tech? Now, on the flip side of that, because, again, I don't know that you can simulate sometimes some of those situations that I want to see from Jordan. So on the flip side, it's what you said. I mean, I think especially defensively in the defensive backfield, um, whether it's shaking things up, whether it's those guys getting enough film prep so they know what's going to come before it comes and they can attack passes. I mean, you know, I was talking to the other day, Kez McCorvey was out of practice and um, we were just shooting the crap, you know, before practice or in the beginning of practice. Uh, and I, and I, I was talking to him about how, how important it is to be smart as a football player, especially in 2022. And he was talking about when he got to, and he, when he got to the NFL, there were DBs he would talk to who would tell him DBs on his own team who would tell him, okay, look, when you stand like this, and it's this down in distance, you're trying to get inside leverage or whatever it is, I know there's only three routes you could possibly be running. And if I see this, I know there's only one route you would possibly be running. So so that that part of it needs to come uh, to me. I don't know that they need to be at that level, but I think they it seems like the only thing I could point to is either film preparation or, or uh, coaches preparation. So the DBs have a better idea of what's coming. They can be more aggressive. And I'd like to see that in practice, not just breaking up passes in one-on-one, but also when they do 11 on 11 and also when they do working against the scout team defense, knowing what's going to come and attacking it and being aggressive because they've got to get some plays out of that secondary. Yeah. Uh, Garrett, I'd answer it this way is I, I just like to see more healthy bodies in practice and we can't necessarily report on all that. Um, but, you know, if guys make plays in 11 on 11 situations or individuals, you, we're going to mention them and you can find those on warchant.com with the observations. If you haven't become a member yet, now's the time. It's only 10 bucks through August 31st of next year. So stop by warchant.com, get set up on those because Tuesday and Wednesday, we've got observations for you from practice and you want to see what names are tagged in those particular observations. But Garrett, I, I want to see healthy bodies flying around the football field and uh, guys like Fabian Lovett taking part in more drills. I want to feel confident that you could see at any given point a defensive line that includes a healthy Jared Verse, Robert, Robert Cooper, Fabian Lovett, and maybe Patrick Payton or Derek McClendon. That is fearsome, and that will make the secondary by nature look better and the linebackers look better because they'd be able to take over some games. Uh, Dwayne E. Miller asks, how is the kicking game looking and how do you all think it plays in the last five games of the, of the season? That's also part of play calling as well, too, uh, Dwayne. It's because you have to guard against what you don't trust in in the kicking game, I think that's influenced some decision, decisions that they've made on second down and third down. Um, I don't know that there's anything that Fitzgerald can do or the walk-on can do more than they have the last couple of weeks. They've made their kick short of right. one being blocked on Tuesday. They've done their job. So what, what do you think, Ira? Yeah, that's what I was going to say is, you know, and we've written about it and people maybe have read it or not, but, you know, Ryan Fitzgerald did change his approach from a th three-step approach to a two-step approach before the season it obviously did not go well. Those first five, six games, he was really struggling. He switched back, and it looks to me like he's kicking a lot better. You're seeing the ball coming off his foot sharper. Uh, again, he's he's in practice. Uh, he's yeah, he's been much better in practice because even in those losses or in those moments where he was struggling in games, he was also struggling in practice. Towards the end, he started getting better practice, but I think it's been consistently better. You'd like to think he's over that hump, and and I agree with you. If he is over that hump, 
then that should change the the calculus for Mike Norvell, where he doesn't feel like he's in a situation when he's at the 25-yard line or the 28 or the 30-yard line where he has to go for it. He at least has an option to kick the field goal. Agreed. Thank you, Dwayne, for the question. Uh, last couple here on Sunday Smash presented by ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Throw us a like, would you please, underneath this video on War Chant TV. Uh, do we have anything, Ben, or are we, uh, we moving along? Let's see. Up next on War Chant TV is – let's get to Carol's comment real quick here. Having Fabian back is huge along with Jared. Maybe that will spark the defense. Again, I like that sentiment because the secondary will look better magically if you get more pressure on the passer and you win early downs. Um, that's just by, by nature of last year looking at a Jermaine Johnson and a Keir Thomas. You don't think that had something to do with Tyler Van Dyke's failures in the first half? That had everything to do with Tyler Van Dyke's failures in the first half. Fabian might not light up that the actual score sheet. That's the one thing I want to caution people what, as he returns back to the fold here. Just because Fabian might only have a tackle and a half, maybe a half a tackle for loss in the game, doesn't mean that you know he had no impact. Defensive interior guys aren't the guys that, that rack up the stats, but they're the ones that affect everything about how a group blocks against a defensive front. So just having him back in there, trust us, even if he's not lighting it up with three sacks over the next four or five games, that doesn't mean Fabian's not critical. And honestly, Ira, if I had to rank, and maybe this is how we can close it, if I had to rank the most critical pieces to Florida State finishing with four or five wins down the stretch, of course, Jordan Travis is at the top of the list. The quarterback makes the biggest difference in most games. But I think Fabian Lovett is next in line. What he can do to change everything about how that defense plays is critical. And he's got to be available at least for four of these five games. Yeah, and that's why I felt bad. I have felt bad about being too critical at times of the linebackers because, you know, look, we, we all understand, you know, everybody, you, you don't have to be a football savant to know that if the, the defensive line, particularly defensive tackles, are not occupying the, the offensive line, not being disruptive. It makes life much more difficult for the linebackers. And so they have not been at full strength. Robert Cooper has not been at full strength. Fabian Lovett hasn't played in five games. Uh, even they've some of the backups, Malcolm Ray's been hurt from here or there. Jared Jackson's been hurt from here or there. So they have not had that presence up front. And I think what you've seen because of that is I think you've seen Tatum Bethune and Kalen Deloach either guess at times or uh, get confused at times because maybe the defensive linemen are not doing what they expect. So I don't. That's why I've tried not to be too critical of them because I do recognize what's happened to that defensive front. But yeah, man, if you get those guys back, you know Jared Verse is a terror. When, I mean, he's an elite pass rusher when he's yeah. full speed. Now he's had a couple weeks to rest as well. And then you know Fabian Lovett, he's probably your best defensive lineman. If Cooper's getting closer to full speed, I think McClendon has shown flashes. Patrick Payton's gotten better and better. Dennis Briggs is a guy you can still mix in there. Then then you have got the Josh Farmers and Malcolm Rays and Jared Jacksons and to mix in there, that's a formidable defensive front. And they just haven't had that um, for a big chunk of the season. We'll promo what's coming up next on uh, – oh, I knew you were going to wipe this up, Ben. So Garrett asks, if we go 5-0, and will Tom shave the goatee and rock the stash? Uh, I've got to ask the boss if I can do that. <laughs> Talking about Gene Williams, i got to ask – uh, my wife Jamie, who will absolutely do a, a shotgun on the War Champ post game show if we do if we go five and zero, she's the expert in this house at that as well. Uh, yeah, Grizzle, it does. It didn't do Spencer Strider all that much in the uh, in the playoffs in the MLB, but the stash is trending. It's making a comeback. Uh, isn't doesn't Shipley have one now too for Clemson? Yeah, I think so. Shipley's rocking it. 
yeah, it's like 1987 all over again here. Did you ever have a mustache, Ira? No, I mean, I went straight to goatee. And you know, yeah. this is a little known fact while well, we got a second here. The reason I started wearing a goatee, honestly, was the early 90s Knicks teams. I loved I loved those teams. And those guys all had them. Um, Oakley and X McDaniel. And I think Charlie might have had one. And I mean, just that uh, that group in the mid-90s. Um, I just, I, that's that's when I started wearing a goatee. And, uh, and, and now my dog's barking. There you go. No but mustache. I never did, never did the straight mustache. No mustache for you if they go 5-0 and oh down the stretch? Hell no. That's a, that's a hell no. It's a hard no. Nope. Garrett, I'll work on it. That'll be my word to you. Um, I promise you, I, I will try. And if it if it happens, then I think I think everybody's going to be so caught up in the moment that people will do a lot of weird things, like keg stands at the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill on Rivalry Saturday. Coming up on Warchant TV and Warchant.com in the next few days, and in fact, in the next few hours, Wake Up Warchant will be available uh, late tonight, early tomorrow morning. Corey and Aslan will get the machine revved up like we have for this stretch run. It's a critical time for Florida State, so they'll be breaking down their thoughts after the bye week, maybe remarking on a couple of the football games like we have tomorrow. The press conferences resume. Mike Norvell meets with the media at 11.30, the coordinators shortly thereafter, so we will have content on that. Uh, and then we've got a live show at 1 o'clock, Jeff Cameron and myself with the Jeff Cameron Show. But there's other stuff coming in between, good stuff on the site in terms of writings and features. Ira, uh, why don't you fill us in on, on what's going on right, right now in the next day or two? Yeah, I'm actually going to post a story tonight. Somebody was asking in the chat, actually, to ask us to rank these last five games in terms of uh, most difficult to least difficult. And I actually have a story doing that uh, that'll be coming up on the site later tonight. Corey's got a column uh, that'll be going up in the, in the website in the morning. And then we, as you said, we cover the press conferences tomorrow, then practice on Tuesday and Wednesday. Men's basketball has an exhibition game Thursday night. Wow. Uh, if, and I just wrote a story um, about Naheem McLeod, uh, the big 7-4 center uh, that you can still find on the website as well. And, and uh, baseball had their exhibition We'll have more baseball coverage coming this week as well. So it's uh, this is that time of year where football, 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 but we start sprinkling in uh, basketball as well. So that is it for us on Sunday Smash here, presented by ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. He's Irish Rafael. My name is Tom Lang. To all of you out there, cheers. Enjoy whatever it is that you're drinking on. And Tom, I hope you have enough lighter fluid for whatever it is you're doing uh, tonight in, in your humble abode. Ira's got one more thing. I see it. What is it? Gator Kirk is drinking more than Matthew is. no. No effing way. Not ever <laughs> happening. It's it's going to go on its own, Gator Kirk. I'm not helping it along the way. I'm 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 going to hang it hang on to every last strand, buddy. Yeah, there's there's a guy named Kayvon who's always in the chat saying complete the trilogy. And I think he finally gave up, but Gator Kirk has not given up yet. <laughs> yeah, the headlines trilogy of uh, of baldness. I you know, I I think you at least got 7 to 10 more years in that. You you, you got it. We'll, You're fine. We'll see. I'm I'm not I'm not looking ahead. I'm one day at a time, one week at a time. <laughs> with this hair because it's gone a lot quicker than uh, anybody ever expected. It'll be one week at a time for Florida State, and practice begins again in earnest. Uh, we will report it for you on Tuesday. We've got a lot of great content on Warchant TV and Warchant.com between now and then. Thank you, everybody. Thank you to Eric. I see the keg stands. Thumbs up. Our keg stands in Florida State's future. We will see. 5-0 and finish would do it. This is Sunday Smash. You're listening to and watching Warchant TV. We will talk to you right here next time. Hit the like button and subscribe to us if you haven't on the way out. Thanks, everybody, and good night.